Hey, welcome to the Bill Bennett Show. Thoughtful conversation about the news of the day, and we address the existential threats to America. Today's a special a Scholars and Sense edition of the show. So joining me today, Conrad Black. He's an author, columnist, and media contributor, and as well, the very famous Victor Davis Hanson, senior fellow at the Hoover Institute. His focus academically is classics and military history. Mm-hmm. He knows a lot about what's going on. All right, gentlemen, let's uh, let's jump in. Let me tell you two things on my mind, and you can dispense with them or we can uh, talk about them for a minute or two. One is uh, that trial, the Murdoch trial. I didn't want to watch, but as uh, Plato points out, and then later we have people mentioning every time there's an automobile accident, you don't want to look at it, but you do. So I ended up watching part of it. Justice, I think, was served here. A lot of lawyers were commenting on TV about how complicated the jury system would be. The straightforward and simple folks of Colleton County, South Carolina, didn't have any such complications. They knew they were dealing with a liar, bald-faced liar, and they uh, came back in two hours. That's what it seemed to me. Yeah, I watched it, uh, and I—I I mean, I watched some of it. And I watched the verdict coming in, but um, and they looked like a nasty family to me. I mean, we watched one. Oh, of yeah. Of these things about you know the boat accident or the girl died and that sort of thing. And, but with that said, I didn't think the um, the idea that he murdered these two to distract attention from his financial problems made sense. So I, I wondered about that part of it. But uh, certainly, I I have no standing to criticize the verdict, and I certainly don't think that the system misfired. I have been a frequent and very vocal critic of the way uh, the criminal justice system works in the U.S. Having encountered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't see this as a corrupt case at all. Yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Victor, anything? A lot of missing bodies, Bill. I mean, the housekeeper died under mysterious circumstances. Yeah. And, yeah. He, yeah. and then yeah. the boat accident was under mysterious circumstances. And there was even a young gay man that died under mysterious circumstances. So they were all connected. But I, w- I didn't watch the actual trial, but I every once in a while when you watch the news, you get these talking legal heads, kind of Michael Avenetti figures. And they all made these astounding proclamations that just because he lied about every aspect of his life doesn't mean he lied about the killing. And that's why the jury will probably either be hung or have all... Well, nobody believes that. Everybody believes that if you lie about everything else, why wouldn't you lie? Exactly. They were really horrified that anyone would murder his wife and his son. Yeah, well, see, Victor's, I think, exactly right. This is common sense. And that's my point about, you know, we live about 100, 150 miles from that call it in South Carolina. And I know these folks, these are straightforward, simple folks, and and they make the same judgment you did, is my guess, Victor. Hey, he's a liar. He's just a damn liar. And, uh, (laughs) you know, why would he tell the truth about this? And then he lied about, I think, the most crucial thing. He said he wasn't there at the scene of the crime. And he was there because they had his son's uh, horrible thing. stealing his client's money, too. It's not too suave. Morality tale about decline in a family. I mean, the the grandfather uh, or the father, right? he had done so well and created this good reputation. And then the, the son had melted the firm, built it. And then the, even his children were not necessarily exemplary, sad as it is that one was shot. So it's really a commentary on luxury and affluence and the appetites, how it destroys right. his families. 
rise and fall in three generations. Yeah, the uh, that son was, uh, of course, drinking and then had the boating accident, killed the uh, beautiful young woman. I didn't know this. You're <laughs> interesting. I think the, the guy who made the major imprint was the grandfather, his grandfather. The grandfather's picture was up in the courtroom, yeah, and they had to take it down, yeah, uh, so it wouldn't influence. Uh, amazing. The other thing, and I, I think this will open up discussion in any direction you want. I've been following this uh, Rebecca Kiesling. She is the woman who testified uh, committee in Washington on the fentanyl thing, and. You guys may or may not recall I was the first drug czar. In my judgment, this woman got it exactly right. She lost two sons. Horrible, horrible. Uh, but her story is fascinating. She was uh, conceived in a, a rape. Her mother was raped, and, and this woman became the product of that rape and became a very strong pro member of the pro-life movement. She had adopted these two boys The two boys were adopted from a mother who had very serious drug problems. There we go again with drugs. Uh, And then these kids turned to Vicodin, Percocet and, and, you know, end up with buying some of it that was that was laced with fentanyl. The, The thing that impressed me, which I'd seen missing in other accounts by moms she said you know uh, a lot of people gloss over the fact well you know they were just innocent they were out buying percocet and vicodin so that's not innocent i don't excuse them from that at all Uh, they shouldn't be doing that Uh, that's illegal they go out on the street it's dangerous i told them not to do it they were wrong to do it but i don't think they deserve to die because of it i mean I, i think she's got that exactly right and then at the hearing she said to one of the other witnesses you know this is a war uh, and we have to act as if it's a war. And I have been urging the administration for a long time, as I did the Trump administration, to declare these cartels foreign terrorist organizations and get after them uh, as they could. And the way to do it, it seems to me, is, is uh, I know Victor will have an opinion on this, is take down the leadership of the uh, Sinaloa and Jalisco uh, cartels. They'll be replaced and then take those guys down. We know how to do this. I know a little about this from when I was working and we were in South America some. You know, Delta Force certainly helped get Pablo Escobar, then the world's most successful criminal. We could get these guys if we just set our mind to it. And I think it is time to set our mind to it. I think we are in a war we lost 108,000 people to fentanyl or opiate addiction coming across the uh, overdose across the border. And that's uh, 12 times more than all the people we died that died in 20 years in Afghanistan and Iraq. It's almost two Vietnams. And China sends the raw product to the cartels. They have these manufacturing tablet assemblies that they deliberately try to mimic other types of drugs. And then they send it across And as we're speaking, the head of Mexican drug enforcement is on trial, as you know, in New York for being corrupt and working with the cartels. Obador the other day said, can you believe it? When Biden went down there, he said, it's marvelous. Can you believe it? We have 40 million of our people in the United States. And so, you know, they get $60 billion in remittances. And most of those remittances are sent by illegal aliens that are on federal or state subsidies that free up that cash. And then they have cartel members here in California, the Sierra Nevada foothills are peopled with cartel members. And sometimes they are legal resident illegal. Sometimes they're green card holders, but 
It seems to me that if we just tax 10% tax on any money sent by anybody back to Mexico, that would raise $6 billion. The next administration should finish the wall, and then we should deport. I, I agree with you about the terrorists, but I think we should deport anybody who's arrested with cartel memberships or gang members. Just deport them. And- Absolutely. Do you agree with going after the leadership, though? I do. In a yeah, serious way? Yeah. I do. We know how to do this. I, I'll tell you, the uh, uh, the architecture, the, the plan with uh, getting Escobar was uh, elaborate, but, but impressive. And, you know, this is what we train these special units for. The only problem I would see is that the largest source of foreign exchange is remittances for Mexico at $60 billion, And then the second is trickle-down cartel profits from smuggling border crossings and fentanyl. And so that's another 10 to, some people say, $20 billion. And so really the Mexican government is waging a war against us. Mm-hmm. And for us to go after the cartels and to cut off the fentanyl and build a wall, we'd have to radically change our view of Mexico. And I don't Trump did. And he really he really forced them to give concessions. But I don't see any Democrat willing to do that, given the constituencies they count on. The northernmost provinces of Mexico have effectively been conceded by the Mexican government to effectively government by the cartels. So to some extent, while it is an act of capitulation and and duplicity by Obrador, the United States is already at war with a renegade, illegitimate regime in northern Mexico. And I think practically any recourse to military action, carefully planned, as you said, in a specialized way, using special forces, I I wouldn't replicate President Wilson's outright invasion of Mexico, I don't think, but uh, uh, which Pershing can Commanded. Uh, anything like that, I think, is not even really an attack on Mexico, and most sane Mexicans would welcome it because yeah. the, those cartels are a menace to government in Mexico as a whole. And Obrador is just rolled over like a poodle, as far as I can see, and is appeasing. Yeah, we lost the, the relationship, as uh, Victor mentioned in passing. I mean, uh, Trump had it right, and that, that's, got, that's gone now. And um, they, have contempt, they have contempt for us. Obrador yeah. has contempt for Biden. He was helping him. Remember when he got on the stairs, Obrador made sure that everybody saw the videos that he was helping Biden, grabbed his arm and guided right. him up on the right. stage as if he was decrepit. And then he kind of insulted him in front of everybody and said, wow, we have 40 million people that crossed the border. Yeah, and you're not building a wall. Yeah. I, I focus on Mexico, too, but aren't we in some sense in a war on this with China? Because that's where it comes yeah. from. That's China. the source country. Well, we could stop that, too, Bill, if we just said the 340,000 students will have to leave. All of them. Yeah. Yeah. All of them. And did, you know, did, did you know that uh, they are actually, by Chinese law, all agents of the state? They're all yeah. spies. They're all, inter- they're all interrogated <laughs> when they get home. And there's one or two percent, three or four thousand that are active agents, we're told. They have yeah. to check in. Absolutely. In local places in the United States. Yes. And the Confucius Institute. To show you how bankrupt the universities are here at Stanford. We had a neuroscientist visiting professor from China that was a People's Liberation Army officer. And they found out and they yanked her visa. She had to go back. And then the Confucius Institute, basically, at every campus, spies on any dissident Chinese students. And after all of that, and then we were fined 50 uh, I think we were fined, I don't know what it was, $500,000 because they, we had Stanford had received $50 million in Chinese communist affiliated company money and never reported it. And the reaction to that was 
over uh, 200 faculty members wrote a, a letter begging the Trump administration, or not begging, damning the Trump administration for its racist hounding of Chinese scholars. Yeah. And so it's, it's, I don't see much hope. Right, right. If you were to poll the faculty at our, you said Stanford, right? Yeah. Our yeah. elite universities, where would they stand beside yeah. maybe on? And God yeah. knows what, God knows what our, our young people are. I was asking some people the other day, maybe uh, leaving the subject, we can come back to it. I was, I was asking other education people, you know, is this stuff we see reported on? Fox and elsewhere about, you know, gender fluidity in the schools and critical race theory. Is this just episodic, just here and there? Or is this the general run of things? And the answer I'm getting is not that encouraging. I, I, I know from the social studies and history teachers, you know, 80% of them are, you'd have to say, anti-American. Uh, and that's and that's what we're teaching. So, man, this is very, very worrying uh, as we think about it is, it the is. next generation. Especially, especially after being lectured for 30 years about it's all for the children. We have to protect the children from predators. We have to protect the children from pornography. We have to protect the children. And then all of a sudden, these drag queen shows and they're renaming the word sexual predator or pedophile or pederast. They they're trying to say that uh, attraction to a minor uh, opposite and things like that. So it's really strange how the left has sort of given a uh, green light to this type of sexual transsexuality or transvestism. We had good words for it in the vocabulary before transgender transvestism and transsexual, but Mm -hmm. They they couldn't accept that any longer. Are we in decline, Conrad? Are we in decline? <laughs> I, I have often addressed this and certainly spent a lot of time thinking about it. And I don't think so. I think we're in a kind of plateau. And uh, this obviously we're talking about a terribly complicated socio-cultural series of of uh, cross currents in the United States. But my theory, which I put out to you and to our viewers is that at the uh, following the end of the Cold War and the elimination of any external threat that was really bothersome to anybody for a time, not permanently, there crept in a, a sort of self-reproach, which is uh, we're all unlicensed psychiatrists, and this is well known as a phenomenon, and and it linked with the backlash of the legacy of slavery. Uh, I mean, I, I have proclaimed from the housetops for years that the United States has done more than any other society in history to take a previously subjugated, servile group and not just emancipate it, but raise it up to a point of absolute equality at great cost to the majority. And and uh, and the, that should be celebrated at least uh, equivocally with the lamentation of what Mr. Lincoln called the evil of slavery. But I, I think th- there has been this uh, rehash of American history and, and the, uh, as as the United States arrived at the end of the greatest, most bloodless strategic victory in the history of the world, when its great international adversary simply disintegrated without a shot being fired, uh, that began this process of reexamination, a revulsion against complacency, I suppose, and a questioning of traditional American patriotism. And I think it's just created a lot of uh, complexity. And then, unfortunately, we now have, uh, and at times recently, we've had a, a measure of leaderless, rudderless federal government and and uh, 
uh, and it, it's all just become a bit confused. But I don't detect any slackening at all in the motivation of most Americans. And I don't detect much slackening in what I would call genuine underlying patriotism. I, mean, I don't think the condition of the country is very good and there's lots to worry about. But I don't think it's in decline and I think it will respond to challenges. And I think that there will be even in the next election, whoever the candidates are, a, a, a resurfacing of Mr. Nixon's silent majority. I'm sorry to be so uh, uh, optimistic. To, uh, it's a complicated. <laughs> I, I would look at barometers, though, Conrad. We're $33 trillion in debt. Very worrisome. And that's a sign of decline. And if you look at any major university and you look Stockholm. at the curric- curriculum and what the students uh, know when they exit, or a PhD program and compare it to 30 years ago, they would laugh at what we're te- at the curriculum today. It's a or it's cry. A, yeah, they are a cry. And if I was looking at uh, Vertigo, remember that Hitchcock movie filmed, I think, yeah. in 1954 sure, in San Francisco? Sure. The streets sure. were immaculate. And these were not wealthy people. Everybody was well-dressed. They were polite. It was filmed on location, so a lot of it wasn't staged. And I went to uh, San Francisco not long ago, and that is a a microcosm of decline. I mean, these downtown stores are not full. They're boarded up. There's homeless people up and down Market Street. You can see people injecting feces. People don't like it. You're right. They don't like it. They they don't. They voted some moderate candidates in. But there's there's cars with signs that say nothing inside. Please don't attack. Don't break. They'd leave their cars on lock because they don't want, they know the police won't do anything. They've had smash and grab, carjackings. There's feces, urine, fornication, drugs right on the street. And you compare that with, you know, a half century ago or more than that, 70 years ago. And anybody from another planet would say, I'd rather live in 1955 San Francisco. Oh, yes. It was a lovely city. It was a lovely city. And so that's true of all of our cities. And they're in an abject decline. I think what you're saying is that half the country is cocooning or they're moving to red states and that the red state model is not in decline. It, but that's not the major institutions of this I'm country. I'm making a counterattack by, by the forces of sanity and respectability. Bill spoke of a war. And, and you know, as the former head of the official effort against drugs and to promote education, you're extremely well qualified, Bill. And I'm waiting for your answer to your own question. But I, I think the basic American is still a, a well-motivated, uh, a relatively hardworking, sociable person, not a sociopathic, self-hating lunatic or, or drug No, addict. no, not, not sociopathic and self-hating, but something dull or dull-witted or, or indifferent or not In caring or, or plugged into Netflix. Or, look, look, it's not, not sociopathic to keep passing these legalization of marijuana initiatives. Very destructive in the end, extremely destructive, but everybody keeps passing them. They have recognition of their fiscal incompetence. So it's just yeah, like, well, but, but I mean, you know, but, but think about what you're doing. And, you know, yeah. if you go to a, if you go to an NA narcotics anonymous meeting, young or old and ask people how they got started, uh, they'll, they'll all, all tell you they, they started with marijuana. Um, couldn't agree more about the streets of San Francisco. I was, uh, after education secretary and drugs are in the 90s, I made my money by giving speeches. That's 
pretty much all I did for a couple of years. And 30% of them were in San Francisco. It was always a delight to, to you know, and, and that meant that, you know, these companies were picking that city for their meetings and conventions. It was a delight to fly across the country and see that sparkling tower. And what's that building, you know, that comes to a point there in San Francisco? Yeah, Trans-American. Trans-American, yeah. And then stay at one great hotel. And I, I would get up in the morning and go down the hill and run all the way around, you know, the Embarcadero and, and, and then up the hill of Chinatown, and, you know, not encounter anything unpleasant, anything. And that, was the, and that was the 90s. Let me add one more yeah. thing, because, you know, you were talking about the schools. I mean, I, I, I do want to talk about red and blue, because I think there there is something there. But, you know, for the first time, uh, Conrad, uh, our 18-year-olds prefer socialism to capitalism. Uh, you know, which which system do you think is preferable? Socialism. I mean, this is this is serious. This is very serious, I think. Yeah, you, you can always count on self-interest when they get a taste of it. I think they'll change their minds. I think if you were just empirical and you looked at seven or eight, you know, if you look at infrastructure, it's in shamble here in California. Yeah. If you look at racial relations, just the other day, uh, I mean, it's almost every day when you look at the FBI data on, you know, because the, of the charge of collective white privilege, but you would think that would manifest itself in increased hate crimes or interracial crimes that were disproportionately committed by whites. It's just the opposite. And when you look at this poll, I think it was two days ago, what, how do you feel racial relations are, both blacks and whites? Or polling, it's, it's worse than almost any time. It's only 30 percent, 34. They've completely imploded. And there's a I mean, I'll, I'll be frank. There's a there is I feel bad for people in the inner city, but also everybody. There's a black male inner city crime explosion brought on by white liberals who will not change the they change the district attorneys and the non-enforcement yeah. of felonies. And then when you look at, as I said, the financial problems with the federal budget, the border, I don't think any, I can't think of any country in the world that opened their border to six to seven million people to cross with no audit. At the same time, they were demanding people wear masks or get vaccinated or be tested in various a- aspects. And then you just invite seven million people right across the border. And it's it's almost like that Roman formula that the medicine is worse than the disease. People, I think you're right, Conrad. Most people know what's wrong, but they feel that the corrective is worse than the disease. They're not able or they can't imagine what would be necessary to stop it. And for example, if you told the average San Franciscan, and I've had this conversation a lot, I said, how can you live in this city? And they said, oh, I know, I don't even go near Market Street. It's disgusting. But what would you do? I said, well, why don't you make a homeless shelter with, you know, 300-foot tents or something where Candlestick Park used to be and bust them all out? Well, we couldn't do that. You know, that'd be so mean. I had a person the other day said, you know, everything is falling apart. Uh, There's people in downtown California Street that are you know, defecating on the street. And can you believe it? In Palo Alto and PG&E had no power for three days. That was never happened before. But they don't understand that they are voting for or they're either not interested in the, uh, they're either voting for the problem or they're not interested in the solution. And I, like, I was shocked. And I imagine you two were at the midterm elections. I assume that the administration and its supporters in, in the legislations, uh, legislators that 
Congress and, and in the states would would get absolutely hammered. And, and the, my conclusion at the end of it was that the Democrats had succeeded in this theory of offsetting the poor performance of the administration uh, by frightening the people with this nonsense about Trump being an ogre. And I, I did. I must say this, Bill, I, that was the most discouraging moment I've ever had in following American elections, which goes back to Eisenhower and Stevenson. I, I w- that was the first time I really wondered if the American people had lost their minds, at least well, a, at- a number uh, of them, to, to disorient the country. But I, I how, would you, yeah, yeah. How, how would you explain Fetterman's election victory? We Everybody knew before the election he was non-compos mentes. They saw evidence of that in the debate. They knew what he... And even aside from that... He was running on a neo-socialist platform. He had no experience other than a minor little mayorship. And the only thing that I can think of, he had this hood look and tattoos, and he thought that this very upper middle class kid tried to emulate that he was a man of the people. But yeah, they so voted for him. Job I mean, that, that was sort of a barometer as far as well, I was I think it, I took it as as a rejection of Mehmet Oz as a gimmicky candidacy uh, and another attempt to transmute celebrity into politics yeah. and also the resentment that he was really from New Jersey. But look, I haven't set foot in Pennsylvania in 20 years. and I don't really know what I'm talking about. I mean, I was shocked at the result. Uh, well, yeah. The day Oz went to vote, which was election day, uh, Fetterman was already ahead, what, 300,000 votes. Yeah. Whether that's something illegal or uh, untoward took place or not, they're, they're better at getting people to the polls and, uh, you know, and scouring and harvesting. Uh, my friend Adam Laxalt, who ran for the Senate in Nevada, claims he was up 3% two days before the election. He said, but I didn't have 20,000 union workers out there getting in the last minute vote, if that's what happened. Yeah. That was started by Harry Reid. He yeah, bragged about that's right. that. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you you get this phenomenon all around the country. I remember uh, uh, you remember the the uh, the election Franken one in Minnesota, where they would just recount. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on until they found enough votes to win, and it was a completely cynical, corrupt process, and it's still going on. Well, yeah. they, all, they, they have a wonderful PR machine because when you object, then you're an election denialist, or you're yeah, a voter suppressionist, right. or you're a racist, <laughs> or you're, so. And it really that. We, we think it doesn't affect anybody, but it does. There's so many people that are conservative, moderate, that get intimidated. They do not want to be called names, and they, they're kind of Mitt Romney mentalities. They're capable of, for all their cowardice and mutism, they're capable of voting in the right way. I mean, I, I, let me turn the tables on you. I've sort of been waving the stars and stripes around a bit here. I mean, are you guys defeatists? Are you pessimists? Do you think the whole thing I, is going I, I, I went into a food for less. I shouldn't even mention the name. And I was there in a long line. And that was the third time in three weeks I've been there. Not one, not one person did not have an electric bank banking transfer card. Not one. Everybody was on. And then I thought, well, I'm going to make an experiment. This is a very poor city that I live in. And the per capita income per individual is about $17,000 per individual in income. And I went out and I thought, I'm going to see nothing but dented, ruined cars. I counted a Range Rover in the parking lot, three Lexuses, about two Mercedes, and then really beautiful pickups. And I thought, wow, this is really bread and circuses. This is this entire population is dependent on government transfers. But 
it's not because they don't have any money because these cars compared to 30 years ago and there are and I, I would bet you that not one car was owned every one of them was either leased or a minimum down payment but they were 60 and 80 thousand dollar cars and so uh i don't know what to say it, it just seems to me and then i always i use gauge i used to take from this farm to stanford i could get there in two hours and 45 minutes when the state was 25 when i was a student 20 20 million and now it takes me about five and a half hours when it's 40 million but the road is exactly the same yeah. only it's twice as many yeah. drivers 27 percent of everybody in california was not born in the united states so when you drive down the freeway you see things that you would never see you see it, it's like a third world country and i don't know i i just feel that it's uh whether it's yeah. trash on the side of the street or common crime there's a whole mini industry of youtube now of all these you know this guy going up to a homeless person and executing him executing him right on the street and that was something to to see, or a little girl on a bus being choked, almost choked to death. Yeah, beat I mean, to a pulp, and then a little kid almost choked to death. And it's it's there's an inability of the society. Uh, it's you know what I'm afraid of. It's kind of like Weimar in Germany. It's an inability to deal with existential problems that we're going to get if we're not careful. We're going to get some really big right wing backlash. Because I don't know how how you're going to stop this rampant criminality. It's very dangerous, and it's general. It's it's yeah. It's not just it, it's episodic. It's everywhere. Yeah. I'll answer your question, Conrad. I guess um, I used to say all the time, somewhat flip. And with Isaiah, you know, I'm a theoretical pessimist, but a practical optimist. Theoretical pessimist with Isaiah, I believe it's all wind and ashes in the end, you know. Uh, that's no matter how well we do. But operationally, I'm an optimist, uh, like those Russian generals, old Soviet generals who, when they were shaving in the morning, used to say, how can we, how can we hurt them today, you know. And so that's, that's how I get up in the morning. But it's weighing on me. But now comes the distinction. I didn't mean to cut you off, Victor, if you wanted to finish your answer. No, 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 go ahead. But but, um, uh, this this gets me to red state, blue state. And I I, I don't know. I don't think we have a civil war coming, but the balkanization is is clear uh, and the differences. And I don't know. Can we get enough people out of Los Angeles to other places? You know, the work of Joel Kotkin. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 he's very good. Yeah, and you know he's saying that you know, he was saying a couple of years ago the red states are thriving. You know they're really doing well. Blue states not. I, I, I don't know if he's updated that. But the other thing he points out is the demography is that people who live in Los Angeles when they leave, if they're smart, they you know they don't go to San Francisco or you know they don't go to Chicago. They go to Tulsa. You know, uh, or they go to, you know, someplace in Nebraska or Texas or Boise or something. Boise. Yeah. Tennessee is uh, a big place. And so, you know, a, a split decision, Conrad, red states. I'm, you know, I'm optimistic. Blue states, man, I don't I don't know. I, Blue America. I, I don't know. I killing everybody in those cities. I can't yeah. think of one that's well run, but I, I may be missing something. But, but I'm uh, worried. But I'm worried about elections because I'm worried that a lot of the red is kind of minding its own business and not voting. And 
You know, I mean, what happened in 22? Well, the red wave, that didn't happen. You know, you know, Victor just mentioned like Weimar and maybe some massive right wing thing. Some days I wish for it, but uh, is it there? Aren't I think money made it bread, 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 I think we got to watch Weimar, Victor. I mean, that was after. Okay, sure, 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 sure. It was after Versailles. I mean, it's not okay, okay, okay. But I mean, bread and circuses, that's, you mentioned that, Victor. That's sort of what worries me is that people are distracted. They don't. They don't give a damn. They don't. They don't want to. They don't want to have an opinion because they don't want to be called a denialist or a racist or a white supremacist. Part of it is the money. Uh, if you look at the Fortune 400 fortunes, they used to be all in manufacturing, agriculture, oil, gas, yeah, yeah, construction. They're all in high tech, finance, insurance, law, media. It all, all used to and be. They're all left wing. It isn't now. I agree. Where's your plateau, Conrad? It sounds like a plateau at the bottom. Yeah, well, it's, it's not at the top. I'll give you that. But but uh, I, look, I, I think there is an ineluctable genius to the American people and the American system. And I, I think it is actually, believe it or not, still visibly functioning because um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to shift the subject slightly and, and hope that you guys will take up on this. But I think in some ways... The political climate has improved because I think the the whole classified document thing that was a complete fraud, uh, just designed to stir things up and defame Trump and remind people of the pandemonium that occurred when he was at the forefront of things, uh, even though he was just responding to the the uh, attacks of the unreasonable attacks of his opponents. Uh, all that has died, and I think that I think that. A Trump hate has largely died. There's no discussion anymore of indicting Trump. I, well, might I think he will be indicted. I think the special counsel will indict him. I, uh, well, I see. I disagree. I think the special counsel are, are not going to do anything with either. But uh, we'll have to see. If, if, if uh, I have said this before uh, on, on these episodes, we have the, the two. To me, the two ultimate guardrails of the American system are, for better or worse, the courts will not change an apparent presidential election result, even though there, there's plenty of evidence that it was a mistaken result. And uh, I don't mean bad judgment by the voters. I mean, a crooked result. And and, uh, and 2020 was such a time. And on the other side, you don't indict ex-presidents. And now, if, if they violate that guardrail, they are really asking for trouble. I mean, I admit, while I'm being optimistic, Bill and Victor, I admit that, that, that there is lots to worry about and the whole system could come apart at the seams. It is very worrisome. Well, there's a geographical multiplier. Like We haven't really seen it. I mean, the 60s revolution was not geographically intensified a little bit. But now it's like the pre-Civil War where people are self-selecting. They're going back to their states based on slavery. And you had a north-south divide. And we're kind of getting conservative liberalism. And people are starting to self Here in California, it's amazing that... We're having a huge emptying of the coastal corridor where everybody wanted to go to. It's got ideal weather. That's where the money is, tech, universities, the big cities. And yet nobody wanted to live in the Central Valley or the Sierra foothill. But if you go to the Sacramento suburbs or you go up in the foothills in Auburn or Placerville or Nevada City or you go up here outside of Fresno in the foothills, it's just booming with refugees from the Bay Area that want to stay in California, but they buy, you know, they can buy homes much cheaper and they feel that the for all the dysfunction of these cities, they work a lot better than the LA or San Francisco region. Well, and, uh, wouldn't wouldn't the 
country be ready for a sort of Pied Piper of sane thinking? Now, I mean, yeah, maybe I think so. That's why, to, isn't, that, isn't that what DeSantis is trying to do, you think? I, I think it is, yeah. Well, will he succeed? Yeah. He's trying to say that he's culturally, I mean, he's being criticized because he's not looking at foreign policy, or but he's looking at the cultural revolution, basically. He's trying to show people that he, he did all the basics in Florida, and then he waged a cultural revolution against the left, and he can do that on a national-wide scale. We'll see. And we'll see. I agree with Victor Conrad. I think one of your guardrails will be will be broken. Um, I think he will be indicted, President Trump, uh, special count. Not the, not in Georgia, because that idiot four woman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going to get him on something. Couldn't yeah. grief, you know. Yeah. But I'm afraid. I'm afraid it's true. Um, I mean, on the classified documents. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he did anything. That's a joke. It's a farce. It is. A, it is a joke. He violated the espionage. But you, I, I don't think you're going to take this guy and pull him out of Europe and then build him up. And his wife was uh, making left wing movies and stuff. Oh yeah, he's pretty oh, no. left wing, and he's been given a blank check, and he will not stop without getting at least something. He may not be convicted, and he, you know, but I do believe they'll indict him. I think it'll backfire if they do. You well, think, think that'll will, you think that'll ra- raise his his numbers in the presidential polls? Yeah, I think it's just such nonsense. I, I, I look, I here I admit mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm the ver- reverse of the guy, little kid crying wolf all the time. I've been I've been crying something to the effect of you know there's there are no wolves around. It's getting better. Everything's looking better. I've been I've been crying that, and that hasn't been happening. But but I I think I I just think that people are getting tired of the Trump eight movement because you may not like. Trump. Trump particularly, but he isn't that bad, and the, and he does he doesn't justify this extraordinary response of otherwise sane people. Where when the word Trump is uttered, a trap door flies open in their forehead, and and, and a cuckoo bird comes out screeching. Uh, and there's a poll, but Conrad, there's a poll. If you look at, I think it was Real Clear Politics yesterday. Biden is beating Trump in this poll. I could not believe that. Who yeah. would vote for a person who's non compos mento? And they and, would vote for him over. I mean, DeSantis and other candidates. Uh, look better. I mean, they can beat Biden, but Trump doesn't poll as high as Biden does. Well, he can't, he can't win. He, he can't win. That, it didn't in that poll, but in general, he does poll a little ahead of Biden from what I've seen. He but it should win. be I mean, a landslide given what Biden's done. He's wrecked the Of course country. it is. No, this is he, back to the 22 election. And I, I was shocked at that result. I think we all were. Uh, I just don't think he can win. I don't think he can win. I just don't know too many people who, you know, vote. Republican who just have said for the cuckoo bird reason, maybe can't, I can't, sure can't vote for Trump. Uh, sure never. Ask you this. Do you think DeSantis can beat Trump in the Republican primaries? If, it, if it's, if it's not 12 of them. Yeah. If they're not, you know, if they, they narrow it down, if it's Trump DeSantis, yes, I do. But if you got, you know, Haley getting seven and Pence getting five, but you know, that, that, that field has to be self narrowing. They have to have the discipline to do that. The money is really fleeing Trump. The big, the bigger money. No, the, this is all going to DeSantis. Uh, well, well, let us say DeSantis is the nominee. Do you guys think the Democrats could actually beat him? I don't. I think DeSantis. I don't think they could beat him. No, I think I agree with you. I think he wouldn't. Because if, I think there's if, a lot of Bill, there's a lot of Bill Maher type in independents and Democrats. Bill Maher would a guy like that would always say that he would vote against DeSantis, but privately he'll go in and vote for DeSantis. People with that mentality. I have I meet so many of these people, especially at Stanford and the Bay Area. You talk to them, and they're privately disgusted, but they don't even want to be seen talking to you. But they yeah. will. 
they will vote this time around, I think, if they get a choice and they don't have to talk about it because of safety and crime and stuff like that. They will not do it for Trump. They have a psychological obsession with fixation with him. I would just have to put an asterisk on this and say, and here, sorry, here I go again. Um, I think DeSantis could beat Biden if it's an honest election. I'm not convinced it will be. It, it, it won't be as bad as the last one, though. The, the swing states have all changed their voting rules, and the Republicans I seem, despite the national committee elections, to recognize that they've got to fight this battle on the Democrats' turf. It's true they don't have uh, scores of thousands of union workers to go out uh, canvassing and you know picking up the ballots, but uh, but the Republican Party, you know can defend itself if they get organized properly. They don't have the well, money, though, Conrad. You look at Zuckerberg's already doing what he put $419 million last election in 2020. He's already They're already making these new uh, voter fronts, the, the project for voter integrity and all this stuff. And all yeah, it is is... They won't give is, up all of a fight. And Zuckerberg's net worth is declined. But that's a big thing. I don't think, like, in all of these close races, they may have not been great candidates of Blake Masters or uh, an Oz, but people, they were in kind of states that were holding conservative in a little yeah. bit, and they didn't Win. I mean, they they lost by three or four points, and they were outspent three to one, four to one. I mean, it was just amazing how much money that these <clears throat> candidates right on the left right can raise that we we can't match, or we don't we don't we don't know how we don't have anything like this vote blue or whatever that is that huge pack they have, and it's about ten times bigger than the red counterpart. So I. I I think we we don't realize that with globalization and tech and law and media, there was a radical shift in the concentration of wealth in this country, and it's or the, a change in the mentality of the people who possess it, and it's it's all left wing now. The big and and, uh, and a lot of the wealthy people made it very fast. Very fast. I, I don't doubt their intelligence, but it's just they're just geeks who went to their garage and invented some software or something, and all of a sudden they're billionaires. And they're, you know, when I was young, if you were rich, you worked at it for thirty years, and then you got rich. But you know? despite what you've said, Victor and Conrad, you still think DeSantis would beat would beat Biden, despite all that, what you've just said. I, I think he'd beat any Democrat. Yeah, I think he would. It depends on a lot of if he gets a nomination, how he finesses Trump in the base. But anybody who counts Trump out has been wrong. No, so I, that'll know, be, I know. That'll be a messy, big, yeah, sure messy will. fight. And at some point, I don't know where it is, but there's a magical point where DeSantis is going to have to be. So far, he's been magnanimous and above the fray. And Trump has been every day hammering on him. But at some point, 30 days from now, 90 days, I don't know when it is. People will say he looks weak if he doesn't reply. And he's going to have to say, I'm so busy, look, at, you know, advancing the conservative cause. Or he's going to have to say, it's it's the future. I can't look back. I do not want to adjudicate the 2020 or 22 elections. I don't have time. I think Donald Trump was treated terribly, but that's a personal thing with him. And I'm worried about all of us, not his individual that's grievances. That's sort of what he said book though Victor. I'm yeah, just saying yeah. Yeah, he's saying that. And that yeah. and he and he has to do it in a way that does not attack Trump, but is tough. And then well, you know he just Reagan thing. I mean Reagan didn't look weak when he said I you no, know happened to say no evil of a fellow Republican. I mean I, I, that yeah. worked for him. Yeah, I think he has to be Reaganite. And I think he has to really play up the fact that his family came from what Youngstown, Ohio, and everybody talks about MAGA and he's a man of the middle class.
Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 but he has, but he can do all that without getting in a, anybody who thinks they can out uh, smear or out, you know, fight, get in the wrestling mat loses with Donald Trump because he's a master. And and even if if DeSantis does it perfectly and Trump says, says to his people, stay home, don't vote. It worked in Georgia, unfortunately. It worked in Georgia. And then DeSantis loses. That's not quite what Trump said, to be fair to him. Uh, He just said your vote is not going to count. Your vote won't count. Yeah. My my only grounds for optimism is if we do what a friend of mine said. So just install Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, uh, in charge of the election because he has turned out to be wily and crafty and smart. Uh, smarter than Trump. Remember that Trump said, shut down your schools and shut down your businesses. Kemp said no. And then Georgia got pilloried for, you know, uh, what was uh, supposedly these uh, narrowing of the elections and bias and all that bunch of baloney. And and now maybe the Democrats will take their convention to Georgia. So Kemp, Kemp knows how this game works. Yeah, they took away the All-Star game and, and now they may yeah. put the convention there. Anyway, yeah. um, Kemp knows how this game is played, and, and uh, they're better at it than we are. He beat in his own primary. He beat the former senator by, by about 50 points, didn't he, Purdue? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Do any, of you, yeah. do any of you see any of the other candidates surging at any point? No. It's too the early Republican. to say, but yeah. I, I love Pompeo. I know him well. I like him, and I think we need a very strong foreign policy, obviously. Yeah, I, I want to get to that here. Well, I like I him a lot. They're all too, running but... vice president or secretary of state. That's okay. He's vice president. That's okay with me. Sure. Yeah. Gentlemen, thank you. This is great. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you, Bill. Hey. Well, that does it for today's show. To catch up on previous episodes of the show, go to what? BillBennettShow.com. You can follow me on Twitter at William J. Bennett. You can like me on Facebook. Just search Bill Bennett. Feel free to email the show. I'd love to hear from you. It's BillBennettPodcast at gmail.com. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. We will catch up next week.